This is a sermon for Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. On Saturday, August the 20th, 1965, when Sally and I did anti-poverty work in a low-income Episcopal church in Utica, New York, we were shocked to hear a flash news item on the radio. It reported that a young white seminarian had been shot to death by a self-appointed deputy sheriff in Hainville, Alabama, the county seat of so-called Bloody Lounds County. In the last second of his life, the seminarian had swept a black female teenager out from in front of a shotgun whose blast killed him instantly. The seminarian was Jonathan Daniels. He and I were in the same class at the Episcopal Theological School in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The teenager whose life he saved was Ruby Sales. Ruby had been born in a small hamlet in north central Alabama called Jemison. She had attended the local segregated schools and then entered Tuskegee University. By age 17, she had participated in both Selma to Montgomery marches of 1965. For some detail concerning the events surrounding Jonathan's death and Ruby's narrow escape from it, I am dependent primarily upon Pulitzer Prize-winning historian Taylor Branch's magisterial book at Canaan's Edge and the equally impressive outside agitator John Daniels and the Civil Rights Movement in Alabama by Charles Eagles, Emeritus Professor of History at the University of Mississippi. On Saturday morning, August the 14th, 1965, a demonstration had been launched by black teenagers in the tiny town of Fort Deposit, Alabama. Their main aim was to draw their intimidated sharecropper parents out into the freedom struggle. John Daniels and Ruby Sales volunteered as veterans to be among the escorts for the younger ones. The entire group was arrested and then ordered 
to climb onto a flatbed truck used to collect garbage. This was the only available vehicle of sufficient size to carry all of them to jail. They were driven to the county jail in Hainville and locked up. Early Friday afternoon, nearly a week later, August the 20th, deputies released the inmates and pushed them out of the jail. The most experienced among them noticed that no, no one had paid the bail, but that this requirement had mysteriously been waived, nor had any attorney or friendly vehicle shown up to retrieve them. Several others noticed the strangely empty and silent streets. Jonathan and Ruby walked through the searing heat to a nearby so-called cash store to purchase some soft drinks. They climbed the two small steps to a narrow porch entrance and froze at a command from behind the screen door. The store is closed. Get off this property or I'll blow your goddamned heads off. Jonathan retreated a step, then swept Ruby behind him with an arm. Deputy Tom Coleman burst through the door with a savage 12-gauge shotgun. He fired so close that lead and shell wadding tore a ragged hole only an inch wide from Jonathan's rib cage downward through liver into spine. Jonathan was hurled back across the sidewalk to land face up over the grassy curb. He had perished instantly. Ruby crawled madly around the side of the store to hide. Jonathan's hometown was Keene, New Hampshire. The burial office was read for him in the Episcopal Church there, of which he, his widowed mother, and a sister were members. He was interred at Monadnock View Cemetery. Tom Coleman, the shooter, was tried for manslaughter the following month. An all-white jury of his friends spent 90 minutes allegedly deliberating before returning a verdict 
of not guilty on grounds of self-defense. Someone had said, it seemed Jonathan might have carried a knife. In Coleman's trial, Ruby was fiercely cross-examined. When able to speak, she displayed extraordinary courage and honesty, this terrified teenager. After the trial, she entered a phase of being unable to speak at all. This lasted a number of months. Years later, in 1993, I was honored to become the president and dean of the Episcopal Divinity School in Cambridge, Mass, where Jonathan and I had been classmates. Ruby visited me there, and I finally met this extraordinary woman. She sat in my office and told me what it felt like to her to be the one for whom another had given his life. I was profoundly moved. Not long after, she enrolled as a student there and eventually graduated with a master's degree in divinity. Today, Ruby lives in Atlanta, where in 2007, she had founded Spirit House, an impressive center mobilizing anti-racism initiatives using the arts and spirituality. Spirit House has documented 2,000 state-sanctioned deaths of black people. My friend John Burens just published a brilliant history of New England transcendentalist theology. He describes the heinous Dred Scott decision forcing the return to slavery of those desperate people who at enormous cost and risk had fled the South. He wrote that the vicious 1850 Fugitive Slave Act demonstrated at last the impotence of religious nonviolence alone as a way to abolish the crime, the entrenched evil of slavery. Americans of conscience thereafter fought for justice in a terrible war, by far 
the costliest in our history. And the Battle Hymn of the Republic was written in Washington, D.C.'s Willard Hotel. This was a fervent prayer that the unprecedented suffering of that war would one future day be proven redemptive. So, you and I have an opportunity to adopt a spirituality worthy of us by helping out our black fellow citizens, including Ruby Sales, and a white sister of a century or so ago, Julia Ward Howe. Today, we can vindicate Mrs. Howe and her prayer, clearly showing that within some contexts, at least, action for the tortured and thoroughly dehumanized was and is necessary and correct. Listen to a portion of the prayer hymn she wrote, slightly updated by me. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make us holy, let us live to make all free while God is marching on. We are summoned. We are needed for the great work of racial justice and dignity for all. And for all who thus respond, history will, ab will vindicate us. For this cause is just, and God is marching on. <laughs>